Bible, it's okay. You can use the Pew Bible, uh, page 925. The Bible is there, right there in front of you. Mark chapter 6, moving right along, we're going to see today where Jesus feeds the 5,000. If you've been around church much, you may have, probably have heard this story before. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Val and I and our children have the privilege of living in a neighborhood. We live in a neighborhood right here in Fairdale, and I don't know if you live on a piece of property without neighbors or if you live in a neighborhood, but I... I, I especially really enjoy living in a neighborhood. I love all the advantages and disadvantages that go with that. I love having people around. I love family walks through the neighborhood. I love being able to just walk outside and stumble upon a neighbor and, and have a conversation. In my, my opinion, there's a lot, of, a lot of good things about living in a neighborhood. A lot of bad things, too, but a lot of, a lot of pluses. And one of them is that every once in a while you get to see a neighbor searching for his lost dog or, or chasing down his dog that got out of the house. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but this happens a lot in our neighborhood. Uh, somebody has a dog that they keep in the fence or they keep inside, and somehow the dog gets out and the dog's gone. And it seems like almost once a week in our neighborhood, somebody I've never seen before is running down the road chasing their dog that's down there, and they're kind of scared and worried that the dog's going to get hit and, and all of that good stuff. And it often causes, we don't have any pets right now. We, we would like a pet, but we don't, we're not against pets. We just don't have one right now. Uh, but in my mind, I'm always asking these questions. Why, why is that dog running? Because some dogs come back home, right? I know a lot of people who let their dog out, and the dog goes to the bathroom, and the dog comes right back in. Why, why is the dog running? Or why are you so quickly chasing after them? Do dogs run away and be gone forever? What, 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 would, what would happen? What could happen in this situation? These type of things go through my head, and it, it gets me wondering, if that dog's not going to go back home, what would life be like for that dog now out there in the world? What would that be like? You ever heard somebody talk about a zoo animal before, and they said, well, and you think, man, I wish they would just let these zoo animals go, and, and then somebody says, well... If they let them go, they wouldn't know how to survive because they've been in captivity their whole lives. You've heard that conversation before, right? What does happen, actually? Do we, do we see that? Well, Jesus talks about this sort of a thing. He's not talking about dogs. And he's not talking about zoo animals. Jesus is talking about sheep. And Jesus continues to say that a sheep that doesn't have a shepherd is in a bad situation. Apparently, wolves like to attack sheep. Apparently, the world is dangerous for sheep. Apparently, sheep don't know how to survive without a shepherd. And I don't know if it's more so that they'll wander off and, and just not make it, or if it's that they're so vulnerable, they'll be killed. But Jesus continues to say, that it is a terrible thing to be a sheep without a shepherd. Much worse than a dog let loose in a neighborhood. 
And I want you to hear today to begin by asking yourself, are you, are you a sheep? Is Jesus your shepherd? Does he lead you? Do you follow him? Do you hear his voice? Does his rod and his staff comfort you? Does he lead you beside still waters? Does he make you to lie down in green pastures? Does he restore your soul? Is Jesus your shepherd and, and you are honestly his sheep? Does he lead you in paths of righteousness for his namesake? And do you understand how wandering and vulnerable you are if he's not? Like sheep without a shepherd they were, and it bothered Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, we see him say this. It's in the passage of him feeding the 5,000. Let's read in Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that he had done, all that they had done, and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and, and they ran there on foot from all towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii? worth of bread and give it to them to eat and he said to them how many loaves do you have go and see and when they had found out they said five loaves and two fish then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the on the green grass so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. The Word of God is just so good. If you'll humble yourself, hum, humble yourself before it, You'll be taken back at the goodness of God. I'm going to have three points here today. The first is Jesus is Lord. The second is that people are lost. And the third is that God is the answer. Jesus is Lord. I spent all week trying to think of a nice point that sounded cool that you all would like and said that Jesus is Lord in a way that was a little bit more um, new or different than Jesus is Lord. But every time I would say, what am I trying to say? What point am I trying to make? I came back to Jesus is Lord. So I want here today to make very clear 
Christ Jesus, God's Son, is Lord. He is to be Lord in your life now because He soon will one day be Lord of your life then. There is no one taking His Lordship away from Him. He is Lord. And Mark is making this very clear in his gospel, just as Matthew, Luke, and John are making very clear in their gospels. You are to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you are to draw some conclusions in those gospels, in those books, and you are to understand that Jesus is like no other. He is Lord. You are to read this, and you are to feel crushed under your sins, as Garth said he was. You are to read this, and you are to almost want to stand up and applaud at how wonderful Jesus is. You're to be taken back at how God is pleased to dwell inside of his man, the man, Jesus. Jesus is Lord. We see this in this passage because Jesus does the miracle. This is the passage of him feeding the 5,000. In this passage, we have Jesus hanging out with the disciples, hanging out with them, teaching them, receiving them as they've come back from doing some ministry. We have him teaching them, and then we have them thinking everybody needs to eat, send them out so they can eat. It's about to get dark here, and we're in a desolate place. Jesus says, why don't you feed them? They say, we can't feed them. We have no money. What are we going to do? And Jesus goes to work. Yet, the resources that Jesus has to go to work with are, are really very, very few. Five loaves and two fish. Not enough to feed the, the green household, if I'm honest. J.J. and Eli alone can knock out five loaves and two fish. Mama wouldn't even get to eat, and we would have a problem. Much more of a problem is 5,000 men. Now, this miracle right here that you're hearing about is the only miracle that is in all four Gospels. Matthew tells us about the feeding of the 5,000. Mark tells us about the feeding of the 5,000. Luke tells us about the feeding of the 5,000. And John, which is much different than those other three synoptic Gospels, John tells us about Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's Matthew who says that there were 5,000 men, and that doesn't even count the women and children that are there. So this was easily 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people if you count in women and children. This was so big of a crowd, and we've got one little boy's lunch to do it. And Jesus does it. Now, notice all the cool stuff there that Jesus says, well, what do we have? And this is what we have. And it says that, that Jesus looks up to heaven. You can almost picture Jesus going, okay, about, about 20,000 plates, all right, 20,000 forks and 20,000 knives, and okay. All right, here's what I got. He looks up to heaven, the Bible says, and he says a blessing. He says, all right, y'all start passing it out. And, and, and I don't know if Mark's being humorous here or not, but it says that, that, that he took the five loaves and two fish, and it says in verse 42, he divided the two fish among them all. Can, can you picture I me? Mean, how small a bites was that? Lately, Le, recently, Liliana has moved on to people food, finally, thank the Lord. And so now I have to feed her people food. Well, Val will hand me a bowl, and I'm trying to get it all done in about four bites. And so I'll give her a big old scoop of macaroni and cheese or a big old bite of banana. And every time she gags and says the bite's too big and spits it back out. She can't say the bite's too big. She just lets me know that that bite was too big. 
I mean, how small were the bites if Jesus looks at 20,000 and has two fish and divides them up? This is what Mark says. Look at verse 41. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate, it says. No, they didn't all eat of the two fish. We know that because there were 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus does what only Jesus can do. Jesus appeals to his Father, and Jesus prays for the food, and then Jesus takes what cannot feed 20,000 and feeds 20,000 people. I don't know what the number was, but roughly 5,000 men. How did he do it? He's Lord. If you're here today and you're a skeptic and you don't believe that Jesus is Lord, then you don't believe that this happened. You think there must be some other explanation. This isn't true. I don't believe it. But for those of us who are believing that Jesus is Lord, for those of us who have come to see that the Scriptures are true, for those of us who have had our hearts changed, that feel the conviction of sin and the freedom that there is in, in repentance and in the newness of life that is found in Jesus, for those of us who know that, we see in this passage a beautiful story of what the Lord of all creation can do. He can do things like this. Jesus is Lord. We've already seen in Mark's, we're only at chapter 6, but we've already seen in Mark's gospel here, Jesus has done many things. He's healed all types of people. He's done miracles, right? He has changed lives. He's made people that couldn't walk get up. He's made hands that didn't work start back working. He's taken somebody that was dead and told them to get back up. Jesus can do that. And we've come to believe that he can do that. He is God. Jesus is Lord. And so when we get to this point... And he just feeds these people. We're like, amen, that's our Lord. Jesus is Lord. I want you to know, people, that the Bible teaches us that God came to earth and, and became a man. And that's who Jesus is. Jesus is God in, in human form. Jesus is the God-man. So we're not surprised that God can do that. God can do whatever he wants. We know that God can do whatever he wants. You need to believe that everything that God is, is in Jesus. It pleased God for all the fullness of God to dwell in Jesus. That is Jesus. You need to see that and believe that and bow down and say, Jesus is Lord. He's my Lord. He's what my life's all about. He is the leader of my life. He is Lord. Now, notice how our Lord works. I want you to go back up to verse 30. The apostles returned to him. I don't know if you remember, but he had sent them out. If you look back to chapter 6, verse 7, that's where he sends them out. Remember? He sent them out two by two. You remember me preaching on that. He sent them out two by two. But now they're back, okay? Now they're back. And notice, verse 31, that Jesus says, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Hear me, y'all. The Lord of all creation, Jesus Christ, Lord of lords, tells his 12 people, to come and rest? You talk about being understaffed. The whole world, 12 people. It seems like Jesus' business was understaffed, wasn't it? And yet Jesus said, y'all come rest. Y'all been out trying to reach the world two by two. Come over here and rest. I want to ask you something. Do you rest? Are you always tired? Are you burnt out? Are you short-tempered? Are you quick with people? Are you one of those people that's nice deep down, but the nice deep down doesn't get to come out too much because you never rest, and so you're always not yourself? You need to hear today that Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus the Lord wants you to rest. He doesn't want you to be Lord. Perhaps you've forgotten that Jesus is Lord, and so you're trying to be Lord, and so therefore you're not resting. You're trying to solve everybody's problems, and while you're trying to solve everybody's problems, you've got your own problems. We need to see this. Let me take it a step further. Look what he says. Many were coming and going, and they had no leisure. Do you have leisure? Do you rest? Did you get to get in a pool any this summer? Summer's over. probably too cold by now. But did you go swimming even once? Did you feel how refreshing it is on a 100-degree day to take a dip and feel how good that feels? One of the best feelings in the world is not swimming, is the feeling you get after you swim. It's unbelievable. feels awesome to put on dry clothes and just think, wow, that, that, that helped. Do you have any leisure in your life? What is it? When's the last time you played putt-putt or went to a ball game over at Fairdale High School and just sat in the bleachers for two hours and watched something? When's the last time you just hung out? When's the last time you built a bonfire in the backyard and roasted marshmallows? When's the last time you just took it easy? When's the last time you did a family walk? When's the last time you said, we're going to spend this whole Friday night without turning the TV on and we're going to have leisure? If you're answering no to so many of those things, I'm wondering if you really believe that Jesus is Lord. I'm wondering if you're going to let him be in charge of the world and you just let your life fall in line with what he's doing. They didn't have time to leisure and Jesus saw it as a problem. Now, they didn't have time to leisure to the extent, look here, not even to eat, it says. Now, I don't want to step on your toes, but I would bet that many of you all skip meals. Y'all ever heard of people gaining weight because they don't eat? I hear about that all the time. People are so busy, so active, so stressed that they don't eat and they gain weight. I had this problem in seminary, and some of y'all remember this. I'd skip breakfast, Mountain Dew for lunch, and then go to work. And I, then by the end of the day, I would just eat whatever I could find. It did the opposite effect on me. I got skinnier and skinnier, but it was still a problem. About the time that me and Val were getting married, you look at our old pictures, I was a little skinny guy because I was so busy running around, not focused. All my priorities weren't in order. Jesus sees that they're not eating and says, this is a problem. Was there a world to reach? Was there people to go see? Were there miracles to do? Was there preaching to have? Were there people that need to hear about Jesus? Absolutely. What's the Lord say? I, that's my job. You better make sure you rest. Y'all don't even have a time to eat. Get over here. I want to ask you if Jesus is Lord of your life. And if he is, then rest. If he is, then slow down. If he is, then structure. There should be times where you work, 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 work. And there should be times where you take it easy. I know in our culture it's a badge of honor just to say I'm busy. You've heard me preach on that before, but I want to encourage you to stop doing it. If you're not eating, I'm wondering if Jesus is Lord of your life. We see this here. Jesus pulls them aside and gets them to slow down, and it even says that he began teaching them. If you look at the end of verse 34, he began to teach them many things. Jesus is the one that we learn from. If you're trying to do life without the teaching and instruction and principles and knowledge that the Lord gives, then he's not Lord to you. Is Jesus Lord to you? A lot of times in, in churches, you start to see lots of babies coming. That's a good thing, right? Nurseries growing, people are needed to work in the nursery, and there are babies everywhere, and that's a good thing. 
And we have people asking about parenthood, what it means to be a father and mother. And one of the books that I always suggest is storybook Bible for babies, for kids, called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's one of my very favorites. I love it. It's only got 48 stories in it. It doesn't cover the whole Bible, but the ones it does cover are really, really good. The whole point of that Bible is to teach from every single story that Jesus is Lord, and you see it throughout the whole Bible. That's the whole purpose of that children's Bible. The subtitle of the book is Every Story Whispers His Name. So regardless of what Bible story it is, it is teaching you that Jesus is Lord. If a kid is reading this book at age 2, and then at age 3, and at age 4, and age 5, remember there's only 48 stories in there. So in theory, you could go through the book seven times a year if you read a two-minute story every night. So by the time they're five, let's see, seven times a year times five, by the time they're five, uh, they've probably heard it about, I don't know the math, a lot of times right? They've heard all the Bible stories in the Jesus Storybook Bible so many times that one thing is for sure is the theme of every single story, Jesus is Lord. He can do what he wants. He can answer my life. He is what I need. I heard a story about a children's book one time that included in it, Jesus Storybook Bible doesn't tell this story, or I can't remember if it does or not. But I heard, a, I heard a story about a children's Bible that had this story in it. Jesus feeds the 5,000. And at the end of it, you know what it said the moral of the story was? Share your lunch. Now, we should share our lunch, absolutely. If you get to the break room tomorrow and your buddy's not eating, you ought to be willing to give up your lunch for their sake. Okay? You should share your lunch. But the moral of this story is not at all to share your lunch. The moral of this story is that Jesus Christ is Lord of all creation, and if there's 20,000 hungry people, he doesn't need anything to be able to, fill them, to feed them. The moral of this story is that Jesus is God. We ought to recognize him in him. Power, life-changing power, the ability to do whatever he wants. He is God. We ought to understand that. Our children reading these little books from the very beginning ought to be shaken at the power of God. When my kids like to play those games, who would win in a fight between a tiger and a bear, or who would win in a fight between Captain America and Hulk, then it's fun to see who would win. But when we say who would win in a fight between Jesus and the Hulk, there really is no contest. No contest. There's no stopping Jesus. He is Lord. He will crush Hulk without even moving a finger. He'll crush you without moving a finger if you reject him till the end. He's Lord. Please see in this passage that Mark is showing us that he has compassion on people. He is a loving God. He, he's worried about them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so he deals with it and does something for them. And all he has is five loaves and two fish, and he feeds them. Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord to you? Secondly, people are lost. People are so lost and so wondering. I hope that every day of your life that you're growing stronger in God's word and in, in Jesus, that you're learning more and more just how lost people are. 
It is becoming more and more obvious to me every day that I live and the longer that I go that, that the world is searching and they don't know the answer and that Jesus is the answer. But this is absolutely clear. So here's our situation, right? Verse 33, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. So Jesus sees all these people. They're not interacting with them yet, but he sees it. 5,000 men, maybe as many as 20,000, who knows. But he sees them, notice. And Lord, our Lord, the Lord, says he had compassion on them. Jesus saw them and thought, man, I feel bad for these folks. My heart breaks for them. They need help. Church, if Jesus has compassion on lost people, you should have compassion on lost people. If all you do is look down and complain and judge people, please see how different you are from our Lord. Please see how much you are not like Him. Jesus looks out at the masses, and I could see Him being an uppity, got it all together American, and just going, man, I ain't dealing with all them. That's too, much, that's too much trouble. And sneaking out the back. Instead, He looks out and says, man, we got to problem on our hands and he has compassion on them and he says this they were like sheep without a shepherd they didn't know where to find food when they ran out of food they didn't know where to go get the next food they didn't know where to go they didn't know which direction they, they didn't know what to do when the bad guys came they didn't know what to do when the wolf runs up they didn't know how to protect themselves these are all the things that shepherds do, and people are like that. If I say word like victim, we know a ton of people that are victims because people are taking advantage of them. If I say words like vulnerable, we know a lot of people who are vulnerable right now, and we know that in the future somebody's going to take advantage of them. If I say bad decisions right now, you know of a bunch of people who may know better, but they're just making bad decisions. Y'all, the world is full of people who are lost. They are like sheep without a shepherd. They are in trouble, and you know it, you know it, you know it. They're not going to look up. They're not going to find a better solution. They're going to keep moving and drifting in the wrong direction until they come to know Jesus. People are lost. That's our setting here. The very setting of where Jesus feed the 5,000 finds its, its, its fulfillment is in a situation where there are lost people who don't know what to do. The sun is going down, they're not going anywhere, and they're not going to eat. Now, we have this problem in our world today. We have this problem in our country today. Do you know that there are people all over the USA, all over Louisville, Kentucky, and all over Fairdale who don't eat? Do you know that there are people who don't have food to eat? Now, I know that you've all got different opinions on why they're not eating and whose fault it is and whose problem there is, but my point is they don't know how to get themselves to eat. 
Maybe they did go spend all of their money on buying new shoes or something like that. I don't know. Maybe they should have went and bought groceries, but they didn't. Maybe they should go buy a $5 hot and ready Little Caesars, large pizza. I don't know. But they didn't. And my point is that we're lost. This point right here is not about how you fix it. That's not the point. My point is that people are lost and wandering and don't know how to take care of themselves. People don't know the answer to life. And increasingly, more and more and more and more and more people are in this position. In the world and everywhere, y'all, the people are lost. In my first point, it showed that they did not rest, they did not have leisure, and they weren't eating. And I said that if you're not eating, you have a problem that Jesus is not Lord. Here I want to make the same point. If somebody is not eating, not only is Jesus not Lord, but it shows that they're lost, right? It should be your top priority to go and find food. And I know a lot of places that will give you food. A lot of places. And this is a sign that you are lost and wondering and not focused on what life's about, the main thing, if other things are more important than you than going and finding food. This should be a sign of how lost we are. The issue is still here. We have this problem about how lost people are and how wandering they are. But Jesus says they're like sheep without a shepherd. You don't have to turn there, but listen to these passages coming way from the Old Testament. I'm looking at Ezekiel chapter 34. Listen to this. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. I'm staying in the same chapter. I'm moving on to 34, verse 27 now. Listen to this. Oh, sorry, verse 23. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. God recognizing, listen to this, in the Old Testament, that his people who he calls sheep are actually lost sheep, sheep that need a shepherd. The very thing that God has been saying in the Old Testament, Jesus identifies here in Mark 6 as their problem. Now, we can go on and on with saying what people's problem really is. They're not educated enough, or, or a minimum wage is not enough, or their parents weren't good enough, or they don't have families or whatever. But I'm going to tell you what I think is the real problem, is that we are prideful in our hearts, ignorant in our understanding of life being about God, and so that causes us to be wayward. That causes us to be sheep that do not have a shepherd. In other words, sheep don't know how to live without a shepherd. And what Jesus is saying to you and to us and to me and to you all is that until Jesus becomes the leader of your life, you don't understand life. And even if you have all things put together, like mom, dad, family, money, savings account, retirement, college, and all of that, life is still about Jesus. Do you have eternity in focus? 
Are you living for the glory of God? And until you are a sheep and Jesus is your shepherd, in other words, you're a believer and Jesus is your Lord, you will fail at this. And the whole Bible's saying it. Listen to this verse. This is Numbers. We're going way back now. Numbers 27, 17. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. God recognizing that his people are wayward and they need a shepherd. The very problem here. See, everybody knows about the feeding of the 5,000, and it is a cool story to say they didn't have food, and God gave them food out of five loaves of two fish. Cool. But the issue here is how wayward we are, how bad we are at doing life until Jesus is the main thing. Jesus is Lord. Number two, people are lost. And then finally, lastly, God is the answer. In our passage in Mark chapter 6, after he says, because they're like sheep without a shepherd, he says immediately, he began to teach them many things. He wants them to understand. I love it in the Proverbs chapter 3, where it says, Fear the Lord, turn away from evil, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil and sin, and stop thinking that you know how to do it. Stop thinking your way is the best way. Stop thinking that you have all the answers. Be not wise in your own eyes. In other words, look to Jesus and let him teach you about life. Learn from him is what he's saying. So he's teaching them. And then our passage gets into the whole thing about what happens and how they're going to feed them and all of that. But what we find out, if you look here at the very end, I'm looking down now to verse 42. After all of that had happened and he had fed them, they all ate and were satisfied. Don't miss that word. Don't miss that word. Their bellies were full. They, they were hungering in, in life. They needed some food. Have you ever been there? You ever been hungry, so hungry, you haven't eaten? So you, you get grumpy or you get frustrated or you get weak? This is what happens to me. If I don't eat or I skip a meal, I get weak. I start to get a headache. My, I start to shake like that. I know that I need to eat. I can tell you right away. I got this big old thing of peanut butter at the house. As soon as I start shaking, I'll just start eating spoons and spoons of peanut butter. These people were hungry. Sun was going down. Jesus feeds them in a miraculous way, and it says they were satisfied. What their problem was there had been answered. Jesus had answered their physical problem. But the purpose of this passage is not just to get us to see that the next time you're hungry, you need to pray to God for him to supply food. The purpose of this passage is for us to see that Jesus is the answer to life. For all of the sheep out there who don't know where they're going, they need to come to the shepherd and let him lead them. I told you this, this, this passage is in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, it is in John's gospel, chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 at the beginning of chapter 6. 
just like here in Mark. He then walks on water in the next passage. But in the passage right after that, still in John chapter 6, still with the feeding of the 5,000 on his mind, is where Jesus in verse 35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me will not thirst. In other words... Jesus builds on their physical hunger in their belly and his ability to be able to answer that problem and appeals to a hunger that burns inside of every one of us so much more. Some of y'all have got great jobs and great income. Some of y'all got great refrigerators and pantries that are always full. And some of y'all got great wives that really know how to cook up a great meal. I'm so thankful for how good of a cook Val is. I love it when Val cooks and I love to eat and it's a great formula. So I don't think a whole lot about being very hungry. If you ever see me very hungry, it's completely my fault for being irresponsible and skipping a meal. I've got meals. But you know what being hungry does appeal to in me? There's a deep hunger inside of me for life. Every day I'm thinking about failing as a husband or living for God as a husband. Every day I'm thinking about failing as a pastor or living for God as a pastor. Every day I'm thinking about the type of neighbor that I am or type of community person that I am. Those type of things come naturally to people like me or you. Those type of things are on our mind. The reason why is because God made us and those things matter. You ought to be thinking about those things. You ought to be caring and concerning about whether you're living life the right way. That's a hunger inside of you. And yes, you may have found to drink a Mountain Dew during lunch and kind of get rid of that hunger. You may have found something that is pushing that hunger away, but you know deep down inside that that hunger inside of you is not satisfied until Christ becomes your shepherd, Christ becomes your Lord, and you're living for him. I can't tell you how many people I know right now who know that Jesus needs to be their shepherd, but they are running from him like sheep without a shepherd, and it is eating at them and eating at them and eating at them. And they might be saying that they're hungry in life because they're too busy running around. Well, what I really know is that they need to get back focused on Jesus. Jesus is the answer. In Mark chapter 6, we don't have Jesus saying that I am the bread of life. But in John chapter 6, he takes feeding the 5,000. He even says to them, you wanted me because our, your belly was hungry. But I'm challenging you now, do you want me because your soul is hungry? He says that in John chapter 6. God is the answer. Now look at the end of our passage, Mark chapter 6, verse 43. They took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And Mark's going to keep going, and then next week it says immediately they get into a boat and they're going. And you're going to see Jesus walking on water next week. And after you've seen him heal people and after you've seen him feed the masses, you're not worried at all. You're not questioning at all. How's he going to walk on water? Because he's Lord. I want to ask you here today, Will you acknowledge Christ as Lord, admit how wayward life is when he's not Lord, and will you bow to him being the answer to your life? How long will we wander and move in the wrong direction before we surrender and say, life's about Jesus? May you do that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
for feeding of the 5,000. And thank you, God, for Jesus, his power as God and as our Lord to be able to do that. Oh, God, make us people who are believers of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.